This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we really hope you enjoyed episode 162 of this podcast. If you've not listened to that episode yet, you definitely need to listen to that one before you listen to this one. But in that episode, the last episode that was released yesterday, we did an in-depth look into the reasons to vote for Joe Biden. And guys, if you've already heard that episode, if you're wondering, no, I didn't upload the wrong audio. No, I didn't accidentally edit the podcast incorrectly. And no, there is nothing wrong with your phone or whatever you're listening to this on right now. Guys, obviously the silence was on purpose because I honestly could not think of a good reason to vote for Joe Biden. Like that, that's not tongue in cheek. Like there's no sarcasm there. I couldn't think of a good reason. So you probably heard me rustling around there in that five minutes or so of silence because there's nothing to say. That's 100% honestly what I believe. And to be even more honest, the overwhelming majority of people that plan to or already have voted for Joe Biden are simply doing it for one reason and one reason only, and that is he's not Donald Trump. No one is actually jazzed up about Joe Biden. And I've talked to a lot of Joe Biden voters. They're not really jazzed up about Joe Biden. There's nothing that he is or that he stands for or that he does that gets people that excited. He's nothing like Barack Obama, who was this incendiary figure, whether you liked him or you hated him, he at the very least made some emotion come out of you. He elicited some sort of emotion. Joe Biden just doesn't have that. So essentially, if there are no good reasons to vote for Joe Biden, that only leaves me, right? A, a sing- single voter, right? That leaves me with two options. Either vote for Donald Trump, or lead the top of my ballot blank for the second general election in a row. Okay. So before we get into today's content, I do want to do a quick reminder for those of you that didn't listen to the last episode or haven't listened to this podcast. Maybe you're new to this podcast. I am a registered Republican. Okay. I have always been a registered Republican. Uh, That is how I vote. There have been several elections where I voted straight party Republican and guys since Bush v. Gore, which was the first presidential election that I was able to vote in the United States on, I have always voted for the Republican nominee for president. And that was until 2016 In 2016, I left the top of my ballot blank. I did not vote for Donald Trump, but also I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't think either of them met my basic standards of human decency. I didn't think uh, Donald Trump was going to be a conservative. I didn't think that he was going to be a good person to lead this country. And I also thought Hillary was deeply corrupt and a horrifically unlikable person. So I voted for neither of them. And here's the other thing before I record, uh, recorded this podcast, maybe about an hour ago, uh, a good buddy of mine who listens to this podcast, a long, long time supporter of this podcast. He kind of asked me, he's like, Hey, in 2016, what would you have done if you would actually like lived in a swing state. Cause I live in Oklahoma and guys, spoiler alert, every single one of the counties in Oklahoma, including the one that this guy lives in, shout out to Chris Zersby, they're all going to be red, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you do, they're all going to be red. Okay. So my vote in Oklahoma doesn't really count for much. It's more symbolic than anything. You know, I don't live in Arizona or Ohio or Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin or Florida or Minnesota. Like I don't live in any of these states where it might be up in the air right now. Minnesota, maybe not so much, maybe North Carolina more so, but I don't live in one of those states. And and to be honest with you, he kind of caught me off guard with that question because I don't have a great answer for that. Because in 2016, my reasoning that, you know, neither one of these candidates meet my basic standards of human decency or whatever, that was good enough. I didn't have to have that moral conundrum, right, about my decision. Because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by like 2 million votes, but she lost the electoral college by, you know, tens of thousands of votes, maybe a few hundred thousand votes total. 
Like that's a fairly significant thing that happened. And so um, I just didn't have to deal with that. Now in 2020, it's the same thing. Every single one of the counties is going to be red, but I'm, I'm looking at the decision again as to kind of what I should do. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in this episode, but that's going to be at the end. This episode will be about the top reasons, not just my top reasons, but just the top reasons to vote for Donald Trump. But also in this episode, we will discuss how Christians should operate in reference to this year's presidential election and really most uh, elections and, and just basically how we operate in modern society. And guys, if you stick with us till the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you what I plan to do this year with the top of my ballot. Again, essentially, there were three options to begin with, Trump, Biden, or blank. Now it's just Trump or blank in my mind. In the state of Oklahoma, you cannot write in a, a person for the presidential, presidential seat. Um, back in 2016, I would have voted for our, one of our senators here, James Lankford, that would have been my write-in vote, but you can't write-in vote in Oklahoma. Again, the Libertarian Party is a joke of a party. They have some great ideas, but as a party, there, there's really no there there with them. But the other thing that I want to tell you before we launch in is I intentionally tried to limit my research and my gathering of other people's opinions when putting this episode together. And the reason I did that is because I wanted you to get the most accurate portrayal of my thoughts right? Not just me parroting some other people's thoughts. Cause again, you guys know a lot of the conservative voices I listen to or some of the news sources that I get my stuff from. And I've been listening to a lot of these news sources since before the 2016 election. And so to a certain degree, some of my opinions have been formed by these people and influenced by these people. But in terms of this podcast alone, I feel like I've been preparing this podcast for over four years now, right? The decision to keep this Republican administration going and having my vote be counted towards that. I feel like I've been doing a lot of thinking on that, but I I've tried to limit the outside sources and guys, before we get into the reasons to vote for Donald Trump, right? I'm going to go over my issues with Donald Trump because I have many. And the interesting about my issues with Donald Trump is these seem to go hand in hand with many of the reasons why a lot of people, including a lot of Republicans, don't like Trump. So I'm just going to get those out of the way right from the beginning and right from the top. I have a big issue with his morality and his character. I, whatever you think about the guy, I'm not a huge fan of the decisions that he's made, right? He's on his third marriage. We have evidence that he's cheated essentially on every wife that he's had or every important person in his life. Uh, from a character standpoint, this guy has a very interesting relationship with the truth, which is to put it mildly. And I don't really like that. I don't really like people that uh, kind of like to bend the truth to, to be to their advantage. So I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm also not a huge fan of his personality overall. A lot of people are like, oh, he's just from New York and that's how he talks and that's how he does things. It's just not really my cup of tea. Again, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm somewhat of a Southern gentleman. Uh, you know, I'm not really uh, intimidated by someone that talks fast and does whatever. I mean, I used to live in Manhattan. The speed didn't really bother me. His personality isn't my favorite. I also don't like how he uses Twitter most of the time. Now, there are times when he dunks on people that it's absolutely hilarious. Again, whenever he posted the picture of Greenland with a big hotel that said Trump across the top saying that I'm not going to do this to Greenland, like that's hilarious. Like, And I do like how he smacks some people around sometimes, but overall, his tweets haven't really helped him. Like if he literally had lost his phone when he took office in 2017, if he had just completely lost his phone, then I feel like it would have been better overall. And I think his poll numbers would look better right now. I also don't like the fact that he seems fairly disingenuous about a lot of things. You know, I guess that's also known as he doesn't really believe in a lot of things that he's saying. Now, I will say this, uh, especially on the abortion issue. You've seen people talk about the abortion issue with him that, oh, he's probably not actually pro-life in his heart. 
to be honest with you, I could give a damn if he's pro-life in his heart. I care if he operates and governs in a pro-life way. Right now, for him personally, that could be a character flaw. That could be a moral flaw. That can be a hypocritical type of thing that he operates with. But at the end of the day, I'd rather him do things that are pro-life than to actually believe it if those were my only two options. Um, He's obviously a very petty human being. Uh, He's never ran up against a slight that he felt was too small to respond to, right? So he's always defending himself. And that's one of those things is if you're insecure about yourself, you're always bowing up. It's like that, the, you know, the little guy syndrome, the guy that's always getting in fights or, you know, getting people's faces. He's trying to like prove something to, to everybody else, but he's mainly trying to prove something to himself. I'm not really a fan of that. Um, as he's governed, he's continued to blow out spending, which no one is talking about. And guys, if we're going to be intellectually honest, the Republicans we're constantly complaining about Barack Obama blowing out spending, right? He, he quadrupled spending over what, even what George W. Bush did and all these different things. And then all of a sudden, none of these people want to talk about the fact that he, the leader of the Republican Party, has absolutely blown out spending. Spending is absolutely out of control. Sometime in my lifetime, the other shoe is going to drop. I mean, China owns the majority of our debt. Like, that's going to be an issue in the long term. Also, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that he did not defund Planned Parenthood the whole way when he could have. The first two years of his administration, 2017, 2018, he had both houses of Congress and the White House. They could have passed substantive defunding regulations on Planned Parenthood, the largest provider of murder, baby murder in the United States. And they didn't do that. Not a huge fan of that. You know, I didn't think he handled COVID-19 that great. Uh, Obviously, his rhetoric on COVID-19 has really bit him in the butt, especially since he got COVID-19. But to a certain degree, not really. It's not really something I can hold against him because name me a country that's not isolated on all sides by oceans that has handled this well. I mean, even as recently as this week, Italy, which of all the countries in the world was the country that went to probably the most draconian lockdown measures, they're seeing a significant uptick in cases. So people obviously are talking about cases, 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 cases. The Midwest is having a surge in cases in the United States. Again, you shouldn't be as worried nearly as much about cases as you should be worried about hospitalizations and deaths. But again, you're not going to get those numbers on C. CNN or MSNBC or any of those types of things. But at the same time, um, he hasn't really done well with that issue. And that is the issue that is at the top of everyone's minds. And that is the issue that all of the people in the mainstream media are leading to. But even with all those things I just said, and there are others, but you know, we're going to move on here. Here's the thing. Guess what? I'm not voting for my Valentine in 2020. As my buddy T.W. Shannon put it, I'm also not voting for one of these guys, either Biden or Trump, to be my neighbor, as Albert Moeller put it in a podcast earlier this week. I'm not voting for the next senior pastor of my church here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Okay? I'm voting for who is to be the president of the nation that I hold residence in. That's it. That's what I'm voting for in 2020. Okay? And also, here's a big thing to remember. You're not just voting for either Trump or Biden. You're not. You're voting for the Trump administration or the Biden administration. Again, Trump is the lightning rod. Trump is the the center of attention for everything. But you're not just casting a vote for these people individually. You're casting it for their administration. And so that allows you to look at Trump and Biden as conduits through which they can control things in the United States which they can move things and shape things and mold things. That's what you're voting for. Okay. So guys, here we go. Without further ado, 
and there won't be a bunch of silence after this. Here are the reasons to vote for Donald Trump and they are in no particular order. Okay. The first reason he's not Joe Biden. And that is a legitimate reason. He is not Joseph Biden. Okay. Joe Biden has already admitted that he is a transitional candidate. Okay. He's almost 80 years old. Uh, he has talked a lot about the fact that, uh, he may not make it through to a second term if he's elected. Most of the American public, even the ones that are voting for him, realize that he's probably not going to make it out of his first term. So essentially when you're casting a vote for Joe Biden, you're technically voting for Senator Kamala Harris, who is seen by many people, people that are observers of this type of thing as the most liberal and left-leaning of all of the 100 United States senators. And yes, that includes commie Bernie Sanders. Okay. So these people that are looking at Joe Biden and what he believes on this issue, issue or that issue, you're kind of tricking yourself a little bit because he's going to be the main course initially, but he will very easily be pushed out, right? If not ideologically, he will be pushed out literally, right? That, that's essentially what we're looking at. Also, if you take Biden seriously, you also have to take Biden and the rest of the Democrats' threats at face value. Okay. Here are the threats that we've heard so far. If Donald Trump is not elected, right? If Joe Biden wins, they're going to pack the Supreme court. They're going to end the filibuster and they're going to add States at least Puerto Rico and Washington, DC, if not Guam, those are threats. And you have to take those threats at face value. If they win the Senate and the white house, other threats you've heard. And you heard this from the governor of the great state of Michigan. If you hate these COVID lockdowns, vote for Biden. It's an open threat. Basically, if you don't give us what we want, we will continue these draconian lockdowns. And other threats still is if you hate these riots, if you hate the loot, the looting going on right now, if you hate what's going on literally right now, as I'm recording this in Philadelphia over the, the justified police killing of a black person in Philadelphia, then guess what? Vote for Biden. If you hate all these things going on, if you hate that looters are controlling the streets, vote for Biden. These are open threats. These are open threats to liberty, open threats to the, the First Amendment, open threats to basically a, a lifestyle and a life that is devoid of this, this feeling of anarchy around us, right? If you don't like those things, vote for Joe Biden. So we got to take those things seriously. Also, Joe Biden says that he will not stop. Well, he doesn't really say this. It's more of an implication. But you got to believe that Joe Biden is not going to stop nor slow the leftward lurch of the Democratic Party. Okay. If you listen to some of the things that Joe Biden has said and believed throughout his career, because he's been in public office for almost half a century at this point, right? I think it's what, it's 47 years, 48 years. The leftward lurch of the Democratic Party, which has really just happened and come to fruition during the Trump administration, is insane. And Joe Biden doesn't have the stones or maybe the years left to actually fight against that. Also, Joe Biden, if he's been consistent on any issue whatsoever, his entire career, it's on his either misunderstanding or hatred of guns and gun rights. So if you're a second amendment person, like I am, if you're a concealed carrier, like I am, if you're, you know, to a certain degree, a prepper, your guns and ammo are not safe. If Biden is in the white house and the, the Senate is taken over by Democrats, it just won't be. This is a guy who is like, why don't you just shoot him and shoot him in the leg? Like what's wrong with these police officers? I literally had the most mind numbing debate with two of my very good buddies who are decently smart human beings yesterday. They were talking about this situation that went on in Philadelphia and they were like, what's wrong with these cops? Why couldn't they just shoot this guy in the leg? It's like, do y'all only watch television? Have you ever talked to a cop or a firearms instructor? 
There's a reason why they teach you to shoot center mass. And the most practical reason is because it's the largest part of the body where you can shoot. And even if it's running towards you, center mass doesn't move that much. Most people's legs aren't very wide. And, and legs tend to move very quickly and they're not a very big target. So this idea that someone that's 20 feet away from you, that they can't get to you in time or they're, they're going to get shot in the leg in the meantime, it's silly. It's absolutely silly. It's like literally talk to somebody who teaches firearms, uh, you know, tactical training, any of those types of things. And they would tell you that they, that's ridiculous. Like Navy SEALs aren't shooting people in the leg to stop them. If you're trying to stop someone, you stop the threat dead in their tracks. And you do that by shooting center mass or shooting at the face, which is another small target, right? But that's something that Joe Biden has said over and over. Why don't you just shoot him in the leg? Well, I own a couple of shotguns and you don't need that many, many rounds and all those types of things. And he said, Beto O'Rourke, right? The weirdo from Texas that was literally like a stone's throw away from beating Ted Cruz to get into the U.S. Senate, if you can believe it, in the state of Texas. He said that he's going to be his gun guy. He's going to be his gun czar. And they're going to get rid of all these guns. And Beto O'Rourke is extreme on the gun issue. He said during the presidential debates, the the run-up to the general election, that yes, we are going to confiscate your AR-15. No, you do not need that weapon. And that is the guy who Joe Biden has literally said when Beto O'Rourke came and, and you said he wanted Joe Biden to be president and he endorsed him for president on stage. He said, you're going to be my gun guy. So if you're a gun person, that's what you're voting for. If you get a guy like Joe Biden, also Joe Biden, he's now in support of children. Yes. Children quote unquote, transitioning their gender. I believe it was at the, the last debate where he was talking about an eight year old boy that was going to transition into a girl or it was one form of that, you know, one way or the other. This is a guy that is advocating for that. So again, remember the Overton window discussions I've been having a lot? That's inside the Overton window now. That is the leader of the Democratic Party, supposedly, that is saying that out loud now. That if an eight-year-old, an eight-year-old decides that their gender is incorrect, that he would be okay with changing that and allowing that. But guys, you know it doesn't stop there. It's going to turn into you as the taxpayer paying for that child to do that or allowing the parents to go forward with that child abuse and allow for the mutilation of probably the genitalia of that child. And it would be irreversible at that point and cause a myriad of other issues. Joe Biden's in support of that. Also, he's a big advocate for killing children, though. He's okay with them transitioning, but he's not okay with murdering them. He has said this year, not sometime in the past, in 2020, that he would make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Because if you don't know this, Roe v. Wade is not enshrined in law. It's not federal law. It basically allows the states to to have the ability to make abortion legal, right? And, And it is legal, right? But it's not enshrined in law. He said he would enshrine it in law so women could have the quote unquote choice to do what they want to with their bodies. Even though, again, as we've said over and over, the baby is inside her body. It is not her body. Thus, she doesn't get to choose whether or not that thing gets to live. Also, Joe Biden has vowed to pass what he calls the Equality Act, right? He called it one of his first priorities as president. So if you're not familiar with what this would do, this would add sexual orientation, even though we're not supposed to say that anymore, but I I can't remember what's offensive and what's not. Basically, sexual orientation and gender identity would be added to the protected categories under the Civil Rights Act. And so if you're not familiar with that, what those currently protect, they protect against discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. 
So the list would be race, color, religion, sex, national origin, sexual orientation, and gender identity. So the way this plays out is if you are a Christian company or a Christian school, and let's, let's use a Christian school as an example, and you're a K-12 through school and an openly homosexual person has applied for a job at your Catholic school and they want to be the, the 10th grade English teacher and you say, no, we're not hiring you or they're already on staff and then they come out as homosexual and then you fire them based on your standards as a school. Now they have grounds to sue you. Because in most right to work states like the state I live in in Oklahoma, you could get fired for wearing a blue shirt. You know, if, if the guy or gal that runs the company is like, ah, I'm, I'm out on blue shirts. Anyone that wears a blue shirt is the devil. You're out of here. I can't sue them for that. But if they sue me because, of, or I'm sorry, if they fire me strictly because I'm white or because I'm a Christian or because I have Choctaw Indian heritage, right? Or because I'm a male, then I have grounds to sue. So he says he's going to pass the Equality Act. That's one of his first priorities. Think about the ramifications of that, guys. Also, Joe Biden's been on the wrong side and I'm certainly not the first person to say this, the wrong side of pretty much every single foreign policy issue for his entire career, and you don't need to take my word for it, you need to take the word of the Obama administration's defense secretary, okay? What he said is that, quote, Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue of the past four decades. The past four decades. Yet that was the Obama administration's defense secretary. I mean, there's not much more of a bigger ouch than that. Basically, anytime this guy took took a side, whether it was on China or Iran or Syria or the the Gulf War or basically anything, he's wrong. He's he's supremely wrong, and that's dangerous. Also, Joe Biden refuses to condemn Black Lives Matter or Antifa. He won't even say their names. And at the debates, especially that that first one, that debacle of a first debate, he couldn't just say, yeah, I'm, I'm not for burning businesses, especially black owned businesses, you know, by black people or woke white people. He, he can't say that. And the reason is, is because every Black Lives Matter supporter and every Antifa person is a Joe Biden voter. I mean, these aren't Trump people. They're not wearing MAGA hats as they're throwing Molotov cocktails, you know, through through JCPenney. Right. And so he refuses to condemn them. You know, people talked about, you know, the, the fact that uh, Donald Trump was kind of tut-tutting or, or winking and nodding at the alt-right, even though he wasn't like winking and nodding at these alt-right, you know, white supremacist organizations. He wasn't doing that. He, he has decried white supremacy over and over and over throughout his entire presidency, even though CNN would like to convince you otherwise. But Black Lives Matter and Antifa, we don't get any negative press from the DNC or from Joe Biden on that. That should scare you. Also. Joe Biden has no principles by which he operates by. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because if you look back at his career, he has essentially changed his mind on just about every important policy issue except for guns. He's been pretty consistent on guns um, and decently consistent on like taxation. He's, he's been pretty big about making sure that we, we tax people out the wazoo. I mean, he's changed his mind on everything, every major issue. And so he's, he's basically, at this point, he's a thermometer, not a thermostat. He's going to let his party kind of dictate where things go. And that's scary when you can see the, the immediate and quick leftward lurch of the, of the Democratic Party. Also, we're, we're going to be wrapping up Joe Biden here in just a second, but he's tried to earn your vote by hiding in the basement, guys. That, like, that was his pitch. His pitch is, well, I'm not Trump. So what kind of harm can I do? 
He's called a lid on his campaign most days early in the morning, 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. That essentially means he's not going to be taking questions. He's not going to be doing any media, any of those types of things. When's the last time you saw Joe Biden at an open press conference? How about Kamala Harris, the person who would literally be the president? When's the last time you saw her at a press conference? You know, she's done some taped interviews where they can basically let you use the audio or let you use the tape or not. But that's what he's done to earn your vote. Donald Trump's jet setting all over the country, but Joe Biden's just sitting in his basement. And the other thing, and you know, apparently you're a bad person if you talk about this, Joe Biden's not mentally there. He's not. And don't give me this crap about, oh, he has a stutter. He's not mentally, you know, a problem. Look at the 50 years worth of video we have on this guy. Find me a video of him stuttering any of the times that he was in the Senate, addressing the Senate floor, when he was borking Robert Bork, when he was basically calling out Justice Thomas for something that he basically made up whole cloth. He wasn't stuttering. This guy had a stutter when he was a child. That would be like me saying I had asthma really bad when I was like three months old. It almost killed me. That'd be like me saying, oh, I didn't get this job. It's because I have asthma, isn't it? It's like, well, no, you don't have asthma. Like you outgrew that. And for Joe Biden, he hasn't struggled with his stutter in in common life. The guy is forgetting things. He doesn't know where he is a lot of the time. He doesn't know who he's addressing. He mentioned over the weekend that he was running against George for president. Perhaps he meant George W. Bush. I mean, he didn't even say the right name. Even his wife was sitting there mouthing the word Trump, kind of like, hey, dummy, you're running against Donald Trump. He said he's running for the Senate over and over. He, he forgets what office he's running for. But the, the overall thing to put a bow on Joe Biden for now, he's just not an impressive person. He, he's not a leader. Okay. He's been a quote unquote public servant for almost 50 years, but we're somehow supposed to believe that now is the time that Joe Biden will be able to get things done? Now? Like, really? Like, where were you for the last half a century? What were you doing exactly? I mean, give me something here. Because, you know, all of his tweets, if you look at his Twitter page, it's, it's all these very innocuous things like, we're going to make things better, and we're going to do things, and we're going to get to where we need to go, and we're going to make the ideal America come to life and all that. It's like, okay, th- those things look great on Twitter. They look great on a bumper sticker. How? What's your plan, Joe Biden? He doesn't have one. And guys, every time he's ran for president previously, He's blown himself up. He's bowed out for either, you know, lying or plagiarizing or just generally sucking at his job, sucking at running for president. If he was not hand selected by the DNC, basically to tank Bernie Sanders, like he would have, he would have bowed out again on this one. Like he was on life support in February, not, not literal life support. His, uh, you know, his candidacy was on life support. You know, it was Bernie Sanders looked like he was going to run away with the thing until the DNC said, all right, all you other losers, get out of here, endorse uh, Joe Biden. We got to get this crazy commie out of here. And that's the real deal. But guys, it would be foolish for me to stop here. Okay. With the reasons to vote for Joe or to vote for Donald Trump, to stop here, you know, stop with the, well, he's not the other guy argument, which is literally the Democratic Party's pitch right now. He's not Donald Trump. Okay. That's not where we're going to stop. I'm going to give you some other reasons that I think are legitimate reasons to vote for Donald Trump. So let's keep going. Number two, the number two reason, again, in no particular order, is Trump has governed as a conservative. Again, one of the main reasons why I did not vote for him was because I didn't think he would govern conservatively. I thought that he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. I pretty, I figured he was a centrist, if not a, a left of center Democrat. Um, and I just couldn't have imagined him being as conservative as he's been on a lot of issues. 
Again, he's not been conservative on the spending issue, which I think is a problem. There's been some other things that he hasn't done the typical conservative thing. But again, I don't think that this guy actually believes a lot of, I don't think he spends a lot of time reading like Edward Burke or, or reading like any of these people that, you know, he's not talking to, you know, Mark Levin and, and Ben Shapiro on a regular basis. But Trump has governed very conservatively. And I think that that's something we should talk about. The third reason uh, that I think you should vote or not that you should vote for that you could vote for Donald Trump is that Trump's nomination and confirmation of conservative judges has been very important. So obviously, we talked about this on the episode I released earlier this week with the ACB confirmation, the Supreme Court and other federal benches. Okay, he has done an incredible job up to this point of getting actual conservatives on those benches. And those are the things that actually move real life ramifications for this country. Okay, because when you bring up these laws, and whenever they're going to the appellate courts or going to the Supreme Court, those decisions are handed down directly onto the tops of the heads of all the people that live here in the United States. And guess what, guys? You saw how important it was over the last four years. I know a lot of people, a lot of people that held their noses and voted for Donald Trump in 2016 because of the Supreme Court. And these were people that were thinking they might get one, conser- or one conservative Supreme Court justice out of Donald Trump. And here we are. We technically got three. Again, I've I got my concerns with, with Kavanaugh. I think he's more Roberts than he is Thomas. But at the same time, you got Barrett and you have Gorsuch, three Supreme Court justices. Okay. Now, it could be just as important over the next four years. Again, I'm not going to rehash the arguments I made on the ACB episode. But again, there could be two or three more Supreme Court seats that are going to be filled within the next administration, the next four years. So, That is a good reason to vote for someone that you think has conservative values and is going to continue to nominate people from his list that he's already released of conservative justices. And if you're keeping score, Joe Biden has not released a list of the potential Supreme Court candidates that he would consider, probably because people would be like, oh my gosh, these people are absolutely insane. The fourth uh, reason to vote for Donald Trump is Trump's treatment of the media. Now, I didn't say Trump's Twitter. Again, I already talked about that earlier. But his treatment of the media, I feel like has been appropriate because the media is egregiously gross. Their treatment of Donald Trump has been crazy. He has sent them into a state of pissed off that they never could have imagined that they were going to get to because he doesn't play by their rules. Okay. Republicans have typically always been very, very nice with the media and the media has then treated them horribly in response. They've taken advantage of the niceness. Again, if you look back at the, the George W. Bush administration, he was basically batted around by the media for a lot of things that weren't really his fault. And he basically held his tongue. He told all of his people that went out and spoke for him in front of the media, you know, all of his media advisors, he said, basically, you know, just deal with it. We're going to control the things that we can control. But again, this narrative that Donald Trump, or sorry, that George W. Bush was a warmonger and this moron and all these different things, that was a media narrative that they spun that the the Bush administration never fought against. Okay. So Trump has basically said, no, screw you guys. You're dishonest. You're fake. Now, the problem that he's run into is sometimes when a story is real and legitimate, he'll be like fake news. It's like, okay, not everything is fake news. If you call everything fake news, then when something is legitimately fake news, you can't really point to it with the same gusto, right? The the finger you're pointing at it isn't nearly as big. But in general, I like the fact that he has smacked the media around. You know, especially at these press conferences when they're asking him these gotcha questions, he just calls them out. Like, I remember one in particular, I was watching one of the COVID-19 
you know, press conferences that, you know, one of those mid afternoon press conferences really in the early parts of the pandemic. And the person basically asked him, Hey, why do you keep calling this the China virus? Why do you do that? A lot of people think that's xenophobic. Why would you say such a thing? And he looks at her right in the face and he goes, it's because it came from China, right? It came from China. That's why I call it the China virus. You didn't call it the Spanish flu because it came from Australia, right? And so I like the fact that he has smacked them around. I think that that's a good thing for them to do. Now, we don't know what the axes they're going to try to grind over the next four years if he's reelected. Who knows? But again, he's kind of Teflon at this point when it comes to the media's treatment. The fifth reason to vote for Donald Trump is that Trump's, Trump's stance on illegal immigration has been very consistent, and I happen to agree with it a lot. Okay. Um, there are a lot of illegal immigrants in this country. There are estimates that there are around 11 illegal immigrants in this country, 11 million, sorry, not 11, 11 million illegal immigrants in this country. And at the end of the day, there's certainly going to be way more than that. The estimates are probably wildly false, but just from a practical standpoint, I know people that have come through the front door of becoming a citizen in the United States. And I think the citizen process does take too long. It is very arduous, but it's worth it to those that want to come through in through the front door and be a part of the greatest country with, with the most liberty and the most freedom of any country in the world, the United States of America. But it's very unfair for people to be granted the benefits of citizenship for cheating. You know, it's, it's, you're standing in line at this restaurant and it's your anniversary with your wife and you're being patient. You're going to stand in line for hours just to get a table. And then this couple just walked in through the back door and sat down at a table and they were not asked to leave. Like that would be very unfair. You wouldn't be appreciative of that. And Joe Biden has said openly that one of his, you know, basically his earliest priorities is that he wants to make the around 11 million illegal immigrants into U.S. citizens by the stroke of a pen. Basically, all of the dreamers or all the DACA recipients, he just wants to basically say, nope, you're all citizens, right? You know, come out of those shadows now. But at the end of the day, the reason why he would do that is because that is now 11 million potential Biden voters and, and Democratic voters for, for decades and decades to come. So that is something that should terrify you because we're having trouble feeding you know, people that are natural citizens of the United States or naturalized citizens of the United States. And again, I think that even as, as Christians, we should be very careful with how we handle the illegal immigrant language. Because again, these are all people that have the Imago Dei. These are people that are important. These are people that are coming from horrible situations. But the problem is, is as a country, you can't just look at things simply from a utilitarian point of view for the people that are coming in illegally. You have to think about the entire populace and the, the, the drag that a lot of these illegal immigrants, even if they become naturalized, will have on the system is something that the system is not prepared to take on. Okay. And so his stance on the wall and whether you think the wall is effective and all that, we have seen illegal immigration go down. We have seen more policies being enacted that are favorable to people that are not big on, on the issue of just open borders. But Biden is very much so an open borders person. He's moved in that direction and Trump is not. And if you're going to have a country, you have to have sovereignty. You have to have border lines. You, you have to have those things. So I think that's a good reason to vote for Trump. Another reason to vote for Trump is just basically Trump's foreign policy. Um, I never thought that I would be saying this, you know, here we are four years later, but his foreign policy has been fairly fantastic. You know, moving the American embassy to Jerusalem and Israel, um, everyone in the world, even some of his advisors is like, hey, dude, this is the powder keg. Like, this is going to be a straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, the Middle East will be on fire if you do this. And he was like, no, go ahead and do it. Right. This is a guy that we've seen a lot of presidents say they were going to move the embassy back to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. But he actually did it. He's like, yeah, watch me. Okay. 
But then, since then, there's been a myriad of peace deals brokered between Israel and Middle Eastern Muslim nations, you know, these Muslim majority nations. And there's going to be subsequent ones. You know, I think Egypt will be coming on board. Saudi Arabia will be coming on board, right? Trump has also flexed on China. He's flexed on Russia. These, these you know, countries he's supposedly in bed with or whatever. He's flexed on these people. And I just never could have imagined that he was going to have this amount of effect. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, talk given about the fact that he's, his kids are working, um, you know, in his office and they're, they're working for the administration. But we've seen his kids be very effective. And we've seen, you know, basically his son-in-law be incredibly effective with some of these peace deals that they've gotten going overseas. Jared Kushner is who I'm speaking about. But, you know, that's been something that's been very surprising. And I can't imagine that that wouldn't continue under the, you know, second Trump administration for the next four years. Another reason to vote for Donald Trump would be overall just Trump's willingness to unleash the U.S. military, but without extending protracted wars. Okay. So Barack Obama basically, you know, looked at ISIS and he's like, ah, that's the JV squad, no big deal. And then they became a huge, massive deal as they were building their caliphate in their minds. But he basically got into office and he said, hey, uh, generals, can y'all take care of this little ISIS thing? Can you go squash these dudes? And within a few months, ISIS basically didn't exist anymore. They were crushed in short order, right? He also gave the, the signal to kill Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who was the, uh, the leader of ISIS, which again, you know, it wasn't exactly like cutting off the, you know, the head of a cobra, right? But he was the leader of that organization. He's dead now, thank God. Also, killing Iran's uh, Qasim Soleimani. Um, that was seen as an act of terrorism from the United States and an act of war. How could they dare kill this guy who literally was responsible for the killing of American soldiers? thought that that was incredible, you know, bringing back soldiers from Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, I, I don't really know how I feel about that. I'd have to talk to more people that have been on the ground over there because the thing is, is whenever you take the power out of the region, when you take the muscle out, there's going to be a vac a vacuum there and that's going to be filled by somebody. And so that's the only thing I haven't really fully formed my opinion on is how I feel about him, you know, ending some of these wars. But here's the thing. When you have 20 years worth of war, you've lost a lot of blood and treasure, American blood and treasure. You have a lot of maimed citizens that are now back here in the United States. And then you look at what we got for that. Uh, it's, it's a tough sell. Now I tend to lean towards the side of, Hey, when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and all these other areas where people don't really realize we are, the populace had no other options. There was no police force that they could go to, uh, to, to get these crazy, you know, Muslim extremists or not really extremists, these Muslim fundamentalists off their backs, you know, just horrific things that they were having to endure and live through. And the United States military was the only help that they had, right. To, to basically stave off the slaughter and the rape and the theft, uh, from people in these groups. So to a certain degree, again, I'm conflicted there, but that's not what this podcast is about. Okay, the eighth reason to uh, vote for Donald Trump, a reason to vote for him would be Trump just basically creating a very positive business environment, you know, with business flexibility, overall economic positivity. Again, pre-COVID, we had the best economy in the history of the United States, right? And we basically did that by cutting taxes and cutting regulation. Uh, again, I, I'm trying to remember the exact stat, but in the first year of the Trump administration, for every one new business regulation they added, they took away 15 or 16 business regulations. I mean, we had the lowest unemployment rates essentially ever, especially in the Latino and black communities, right? Th those are just real stats. We essentially got to a point where there was, there were just not enough jobs. Like, or, I mean, you just had people that were, were, were working and these places were like desperate. They're like, Hey man, we're, we're ready to keep going. We're ready to build more. And that's how you create wealth in this country. 
right? And people want to spend time thinking about, oh, well, the CEO of McDonald's makes $20 million a year and he's paying this guy minimum wage, but that person wouldn't have a job without the CEO making the moves that they're making, right? And so I don't think you're going to get a positive business environment under the Biden administration. Like it's kind of hard to invest more in your company when you have less money to invest, right? So I think Trump will create that environment again. Again, there's the major question marks about COVID-19 and all the things going around there, but I think that that's a much better scenario voting for Trump in that case. Uh, the ninth reason here would be Trump's policies that are favorable towards the oil and gas industry. Um, if you really want to get more into that subject, I would read, I would suggest this book to you. It's by Alex Epstein. It's called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Again, I think that there is some wisdom moving towards more green energy. Again, a lot of people don't understand what that means. Like people buy a Chevy Volt or a Tesla and they're like, I'm doing the best thing ever. I'm just plugging my car in and driving around. And they're not even doing the foggiest amount of thinking along the lines of, okay, where did the energy come from that charged my car, right? I think there was a study done that said an H2 Hummer is has a lower carbon footprint than a, a Prius or a Chevy Volt or something like that. It's because you're burning a lot of, of coal and, and natural gas and oil to make these cars, but also to continue pumping the electricity into the battery. And we're not even talking about the fact that you basically can't recycle a battery battery effectively. And you can't throw it away. That creates its own issues. But the Trump policies are very favorable to oil and gas. And so I like that because I live in Oklahoma and that's good for, for me and my homies here in Oklahoma that, that work in that industry. Same for my friends in Texas. Um, and during this administration, we've basically gotten to energy independence. And it's not by banning fracking. It's not by banning cow farts. It's not by banning trucks. Those are the things that don't really work. That, that's the AOC Green New Deal nonsense. I feel like his policies towards oil and gas have been very effective and, and very positive. Um, the tenth reason here is for, for all the talk about Donald Trump being a tyrannical dictator or he's going to end up being a tyrannical dictator, Trump has done things to basically get the federal government out of our lives, out of our lives. Just think about COVID-19. Think about the power grabs made by politicians mainly politicians from the left. That's just being honest, right? That's just calling balls and strikes. Mainly these democratic politicians. We've, we've given up so many of our rights because we're terrified of a disease of a virus. That's what we're terrified of. And so we're like, sure, take our liberties because public safety or something. Right. And so if you're Donald Trump and you are really a dictator, you're a tyrannical dictator at your core and you just can't wait to get that power grab. COVID-19 was your godsend. And so if he is a tyrannical dictator, he's the worst one I've ever seen or read about. Okay. So enough with the tyrannical dictator stuff. The 11th reason that you, that you could vote for Donald Trump is every time people claim that they have a smoking gun that proves the Trump administration or that his family is corrupt. It's a nothing burger. It's nothing on the back end. Just think about Russiagate, right? Oh, you know, he's a Russian stooge and he's a Russian plan and all these types of things. And then in actuality, when you look into it, it looks like Hillary Clinton was doing things that was conspiring with the Russians, right? Then, then you have the impeachment scandal with Ukraine and all that nonsense that went on there and, and basically the witch hunt that, that was therein. And then it looks like it was Hunter Biden that was the leader of corruption in, in Ukraine, right? And it's still to be determined whether or not Joe Biden actually was a part of these ploys that basically lined the pockets of his family with hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And so that's the thing that's very interesting to me is every time it seems like Donald Trump is the corrupt one, right? There's nothing that comes from it. Oh, we finally got his tax returns. And what did we learn? Well, he's got a lot of debt and he's not nearly as rich as we thought he was, which is that really breaking news? 
Like, did you honestly think he was worth billions and billions of dollars? Like, I don't really think so. You know, someone made a joke at one point. It's like, I don't think, jo- uh, you know, he's so over leveraged. I don't think he could go get me a thousand dollars cash and put it in the palm of my hand. And you might be right, right? Like you absolutely might be right about that, but it wasn't this big thing. We've had all these tell all books, right? About, you know, what's going on really behind the scenes inside the Trump administration and all that. And it's like, wait a minute, Trump's like an egotistical guy. He likes to eat cheeseburgers. He stays up late. He watches Fox and friends. It's like, this is the corruption. This, this is the big smoking gun thing that, that tells me that this guy isn't qualified. Again, I've told you about all the things that I don't like about the man, right? But that, those things aren't real. Those, they're just not real. And the 12th reason here, and it's really the last one, I'll cut it off after this, is Trump has been incredibly pro-life during his administration. And more specifically, incredibly anti-abortion. Again, to reiterate, I am very disappointed that he didn't defund Planned Parenthood in the first two years of his presidency. I, I think that's unforgivable, right? Even a lot of pro-life advocates have kind of forgotten that during this election cycle. I don't think he should be forgiven for that, right? Unless he does something in the next administration that, that kind of counteracts that. I thought that that was egregious that he didn't do that. But what he has done is he's nominated pro-life judges and justices to the federal bench. Talked about the federal bench earlier, but he's enact, he's put people in place to where if Roe is ever challenged, that there will be something there for him to stand on. And the latest iteration of that is Amy Coney Barrett, right? I think that's very important. He's signed pro-life executive orders. He was the first president to speak live at the the March for Life, uh, which was incredible because other presidents had basically done it via video or something like that or via phone call. Um, And need I remind you that the Democratic National Committee, the Democratic Party platform, the official platform, advocates for abortion up until the moment of birth. and Joe Biden, right? The stalwart against leftism or whatever people want to call him. He's now against the Hyde Amendment. He's against it. For the first 40 plus years of his career, he was for it. And basically the Hyde Amendment keeps federal funds, federal taxpayer dollars from being able to go to fund abortions, right? For obvious reasons. Because for me, when I pay the tax bill, the sizable tax bill that I pay every year and have paid for, for years and years now, I don't want that to go to the slaughter of unborn children. Sorry. That's not something I'm okay with. But now, all of a sudden, the, the, the winds of change have started to blow, and Joe Biden is now against the Hyde Amendment. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that the leftward march of his party would not allow for him to say that he defends the Hyde Amendment, that he still thinks it's that, that that is important? He wants to basically shove that down the throats of the American public. So I've been incredibly impressed and happy with Trump on this issue, which I consider to be an incredibly important issue, obviously. So guys, before I share with you what I plan to do on the top of my ballot, I promise I'll get there. There's no tricks here. I want to talk about how Christians should operate this presidential election season, okay? Because I think that's important. A lot of people are talking about that, and it's kind of hard to get a straight answer from, you know, your pastor. Some of these pastors are basically just carrying water for the Trump administration. You know, some of these people are just carrying water for Biden administration. It's hard to kind of operate here. So I'll just give you my, my basic advice here. The first thing is, Realize that Jesus Christ is not on the ballot, which will come off to some of you as incredibly offensive, which if I haven't offended you at some point during this podcast already, regardless of who you decide to vote for, then I guess I'm I'm not doing my job quite right. But Jesus is not on the ballot. So stop pretending like he is. It's not Jesus or Biden. It's not Jesus or Trump. Okay? He's not on the ballot. Again, you're not voting for a pastor. You're not voting for your neighbor. You're not voting for anything. You're not voting for the savior of the world. Now, obviously it would be important for you 
to vote for somebody that has more Christian convictions. That is a better overall thing for the United States. However, he's not on the ballot. And, and kind of the next thing that you should realize is you cannot legislate morality. You've heard that before. You can't legislate morality in the hearts of man. However, however, you can elect men and women who write and pass laws based on godly morality. That is something that you absolutely can do. And so you have to ask yourself as you're making this decision as a Christian, is the Democratic Party's platform, does that coincide, does that go through the filter of the gospel, of biblical truth, of morality? Or does the Republican Party platform, because spoiler alert, neither one of them is perfect when you compare it to the Bible. And I don't think either of the parties are actually, you know, even thinking about that when they're creating their policies or their platforms. But you have to think about which one is going to get you closer to that. I think that's very important for you as a Christian. Next thing here for Christians to consider is that we should remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of God first and foremost, which, duh. But really, you should think about that. Because, again, I'm about as patriotic of a guy as you can find, right? One of my biggest regrets, I sit here as a 34-year-old man, and I regret every day, every time I think about it, the fact that I did not serve in the military, that I could not serve this great nation. And so here I am now trying to think of ways that I can support the military, support military families, uh, but I have not actually fought or bled for this country, right? And I haven't made what they call the ultimate sacrifice for this country, right? Which God had a different plan for me. I could have gone that route, but maybe I don't have Kelsey. Maybe I don't have baby James. Maybe I don't have, you know, this podcast. Maybe these things aren't, aren't there. So I feel like that's important. But guys, the United States has been around for about 250 years, which is just, that's a blink in the eye, right, of God. Like that is, that is no time at all. And guys, far vaster and far more expansive dynasties have come and gone for humanity, right? And we will be no different. This idea that you, the United States will be here for forever or even be here until rapture, there's no guarantee of that. Because I guarantee you, the Babylonians, the, the Persians, the, the Greeks, the Spartans, the Romans, the Egyptians, like, you know, so on and so forth, these different people groups thought that they were going to be around for forever. And all those groups that I just talk about, they certainly had reigns that were more powerful and more expansive than, you know, 250 years, a quarter of a millennium. And so... I think it's important to remember that the kingdom of God, that is where we will reside for eternity. For, for those of us that are in the Lamb's book of life, for those of us that, you know, have called on Jesus to, to be our Lord and Savior, you know, to be disciples of him, right? That, that is where we should spend our focus. But let me transition in the next part here, because the next biggest thing that I would say for you to do is you have to vote. You have to. I was asked in a podcast interview here recently about should Christians vote or not? And I, I, to a certain degree, I thought the, the question was kind of silly. It's like, why in the world would they not? But it's because of narratives that have been spun in some churches or in some circles. But seriously, guys, do not buy into the narrative that since, you know, Christ may return soon, that we shouldn't be involved in our governmental processes. Like, I don't think that's right. And also, don't buy into the narrative that since the Bible tells us that the world that we currently inhabit is in the process of this unstoppable deterioration, that we shouldn't be involved in our governmental processes. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think we are called to be salt and light. We're called to preserve, right? That's what salt does. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're hiding. When you're like, I'm going to be completely outside of culture. Well, guess what? Culture is going to find you. Like, I'm going to be completely outside of politics. Politics is all around us. Politics is everything. Again, people are like, oh, I'm, I'm above the fray. You know, as a Christian, I am not going to lower myself to voting for the president of the United States. 
But then they're the first ones to complain if their sheriff does something stupid in their local community. Or their school board in their little community that they've never thought about before said, no, your kids can't come to school. Too dangerous. And you're sitting there, it's like your single income family. And all of a sudden, one of you has to be, you know, super mom or super dad, right? Or, or you got to pay for babysitters or maybe both you and your wife work. And now, now it's a problem because it's like, well, well who's going to be here with the kids, right? Then grandma's not around. Like we're going to have to hire a babysitter, but also the babysitter is going to be their teacher. All that came because you were above the fray. You didn't find it necessary to pay attention to what was going on in your own community. And now it's kicking you directly in your b-hole. That's a problem. Okay, but it's a problem of your own doing, of your own making. But here's the thing that I know for sure, guys, that regardless of the outcome of this election, whether Donald Trump wins or Joe Biden wins, and I'm assuming that we know the evening of November 3rd that who, who the next president is going to be, which again, that's a dubious claim right now, uh, to, to be honest. But I'm assuming that the sun will rise on November the 4th. You know, the, the, the earth will still be spinning on its axis as it moves around the sun. Jesus will still be on the throne. God will still be in control. And you should take solace in that fact. The world will move on. For the people that were devastated and crying, falling asleep, you know, covered in their own tear-soaked pillow, you know, when Hillary Clinton lost, those people are still alive today. They still went to work. They still had to take care of their kids and get them ready for school. They, they still had to take care of business at the end of the day. And the same will be true for you, regardless of who you support. The sun will come out tomorrow, you guys. So we've made it all the way to this point uh, where I'm going to share with you what I've decided to do with the top of my ballot in 2020. So what I've decided to do is that I will be voting for Donald J. Trump for president in 2020. Um, likely, by the time you listen to this podcast, I will have already done so. I have plans to vote early here in the state of Oklahoma, so we'll see how the lines go. Currently, everything is covered in a sheet of ice. There's uh, down tree limbs everywhere, so it's a little bit chaotic out there. It looks like a gigantic ice tornado came through, but you know I'm going to brave the weather and the temperature and go out and uh, cast that vote for Donald Trump. Um, and to be honest with you guys, I made that decision very recently. I mean, I'm talking within the last three or four weeks, I've made that decision, but I've been considering this decision since he was elected. And I've been watching him. I've been watching him closely and the things that have come out of his administration. And I've had heartburn over some of those things. I've had heartburn over the potential of being a hypocrite because I still don't think he's a decent human being, which was my main issue back in 2016. But I think there are some, some very simple reasons why I made this decision, why it just, it was almost like it was revealed to me a few weeks ago that this is what I'm going to do. And if I didn't whittle down the main reasons, I guess these would be my main reasons. Number one, I think Joe Biden is an incredibly dangerous transitional candidate. I think you have to consider what's on the other side of the ticket. If you don't vote for Donald Trump, you are technically voting for Joe Biden. That That's kind of an issue. The second thing is Trump has been the most pro-life president of the modern age, you know, maybe ever. The third is Trump has governed more conservatively than I ever could have imagined. The fourth is Trump's foreign policy has been stellar. I think that's great for the United States of America and for the world, to be honest. And the fifth thing is I'm choosing policy over personality. Policy over personality. If you cannot vote for Trump because of how he acts and how he talks and how he tweets, I get it. I totally get it. 
I mean, there are a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, man, would you just shut up? Like, oh, why'd you, why'd you say that? Like, was that productive? Right? So it's like a parent when they're like, okay, was that super productive? Throwing your bowl of cheese across the room. Was that super productive? You know, going crazy and, you know, punching a wall. Was that super productive? Was that the best thing you could think to do at this exact moment? So I get it. But at the end of the day, if you strip away the personality and you look just at the policy, the Trump administration should align with a lot of your points of view, because I'm assuming that I'm, I got a lot of conservative Christian individuals listening to this podcast right now. And if you're not one of those things, dude, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're still listening to this, you know, almost an hour in. But if you're only thinking about, about personality, you have to think about how much that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Because 20 years from now, when Amy Coney Barrett is delivering her votes for massive issues that will change the trajectory of this entire country, you're not going to be thinking about the fact that Donald Trump said, you know, he called that lady horse face, right? You're not going to be thinking about that. You know, when we look at our tax bills at the end of the year, when we do our meeting with our CPA, right? You're not going to be thinking about that one time when Donald Trump wouldn't let Joe Biden talk at that presidential debate. Or the time when he allowed his crowd to say, lock her up in reference to Hillary Clinton. You're not going to be thinking about those things. Policy will affect your life directly. Personality won't. But guys, the biggest reason I would say that I'm going to vote for Donald Trump this year is the abortion issue. That's the biggest reason. Guys, I talk about this issue all the time and people will look down upon you if you consider yourself to be, or if you act like a one issue voter, like, oh, you're just a one issue voter. Like that, that's super convenient. You don't actually actually have to think through anything. You just go off your one issue. However, however, this issue, the issue of life, literal life or death tells me a lot about you. Your feelings on this issue tells me a lot. How you feel about this issue tells me everything that I need to know about you, honestly. Because here's the thing, if you are 100% unabashedly pro-choice, what that tells me is you have a seared consciousness and you don't value all life. Clearly. That's not a political stance, that's just a thing thing, right? And if you're partially pro-choice, you know, in some cases, you know, kind of him and haw, that just means you're ignorant and you haven't thoroughly thought through the ramifications of your point of view. And, and I mean that for, for even people that, you know, I go to church with. There's a very good buddy of mine who, until very recently, he was mainly pro-life. But he's like, yeah, I just, I don't know how I feel about the issue of rape and incest. But the thing about it is, is I helped him think through that point of view and say things like, okay, should the child get the death penalty because of the crime committed by the father? You know, if a dad rapes his daughter and impregnates her, should the child be punished for that? He had never thought through that before. He had also never thought through the fact that that constitutes rape and incest, constitutes well less than 1% of all abortions. Well less than 1%. Don't believe the narrative. Also, you know, potential death of the mother. That's another thing thrown around. Well, what if it's an option between saving the baby and saving the woman? That's not a true thing. And people haven't thought through that. Because if your baby has been in the womb for 36 weeks and now there's a problem with mama, right? She's got cancer and they need to do chemotherapy. Well, guess what? We've seen over in the UK where they actually removed the womb from a woman, did surgery on her and put the womb back in. We've seen other situations 
where in the third trimester, which is where you're going to do a partial birth abortion, where you're pulling the baby out by its feet, sticking scissors on the back of its neck, cutting it, sticking in a suction tube and sucking out the brains before you move, remove the head, right? Because the, the vaginal canal imbues personhood, remember? But in those situations, like those babies could have been delivered. And then you can deal with the health issues of mother. But most people haven't thought through that. But if you don't think what's growing inside the belly of a woman is important, worth our protection, worth our love, worth our consideration, that tells me a lot about who you are as a person. And for Donald Trump, if we're being completely honest, I don't think in his heart of hearts that he is pro-life. His entire life, his entire entertainment and adult life, he was more on the left side of the aisle, right? I don't think if you put true serum in him that he would say he is a pro-life person across the board. However, he again is the most pro-life president we've had maybe ever, maybe ever. And that is incredibly important. So guys, as we wrap up this podcast, this is my endorsement, right? I'm endorsing Donald Trump for president, okay? I'm not going to be wearing a MAGA hat in line. I'm not going to make a big to-do about it. I'm not going to be pounding on my chest. I'm not going to be driving there with 17, you know, Trump forever flags on my truck, right? That's, that's not something that I'm going to do. But I am proudly voting for the Donald Trump administration to continue, okay? But I have to re reiterate to you that if your guy loses next Tuesday, you're going to be fine. You will be fine. I really hope and I pray that Donald Trump wins. But to pretend like this is the be-all, end-all, you know, the, the hyperbole that people say, like, this is the most important election ever in the history of everything ever. I just don't necessarily agree with that. This is a very, very important election. You should make your voice heard. Don't forget about the Senate races. Because if you're a Donald Trump guy, the Democrats are keeping the House, but if they flip the Senate blue, the next four years is going to be a crap show. Okay? Don't forget about these things. They're very, very important, but keep things in the right priority list. Okay? All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry, and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got some resources for you. So I've got a couple of YouTube videos that are from Ben Shapiro. So this first video has made the rounds a lot. It's called, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I am in 2020. Here's why. So this is like, a, I think, an eight or nine minute long video. Um, it's it's very well thought out. This is a guy who spent a lot of time thinking about this issue. He and I differ quite a bit on some of those issues, but I think that's a good resource for you. The next thing is actually the Ben Shapiro episode that by the time you're listening to this, it would have been yesterday's episode, Wednesday's episode, but it's episode 1125 of his podcast. It's called The Case Against Joe Biden. And so there were a lot of things in this podcast where I just kind of, I didn't glaze over them, but I didn't go into extreme detail. But like, for instance, the foreign policy issue, you know, the fact that Joe Biden's been wrong on every foreign policy issue, about 44, 45 minutes into this podcast episode, he spends a large amount of time going into each individual foreign policy thing that Joe Biden has been wrong on. So I think that's a good resource for you. And before anybody thinks that this is just a MAGA MAGA Trump thing, I've got a blog for you from John Piper. It's called Policies, Persons, and Paths to Ruin. And this, in this blog post, he's basically eviscerating Donald Trump and Donald Trump voters without actually saying that he's not going to vote for Donald Trump. But I thought that this would be a good little palate cleanser for you, especially if you'd watched the other two videos that I suggested. 
All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, you know you want to give it to us, so give us five stars and leave us a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the rest of 2020 and the beginning part of 2021, so if you want me to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, at your team, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life, and that'll be getting a makeover here soon, so be on the lookout for that. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember... Keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Right.